Today on this episode of Going Deeper, we are continuing our conversation about the miracles of Jesus. I'm your host, Kyle McCaskill. I'm Karen Florence. Chris Winterman. So join us as we go deeper. Well, we are diving in this morning to more miracles of Jesus, and we've got probably some of the most recognizable ones this week, I would say. I you know, love the fact that, Karen, you've chosen to be here. I know it took a little bit of convincing, but thank you for uh, sitting in the seat with us today. I am just really excited about what we've got to talk about today. So at that, we're just going to jump right in, I think. Um and we'll start with this very first uh, passage that we have for this week, which is John 9, where we read about the blind man. And for me, this one, there is so much. It's a long passage, but there's a lot here because you've got Jesus's interaction with the blind man. Then you've got the Pharisees like, hey, how could that be? And that's not right. This is the Sabbath. And then they go back to, you know, it's just, it's, it's chocked full of stuff. This is like a whole 30-minute TV show yeah. on this one little passage you could do, and it would be really fun to watch. Yeah, what what you get in this one, you're right, is the, the surrounding scene, mm-hmm. for me, is really the focus. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the miracle is, is important, but mm-hmm. Jesus, in, in my understanding, in my mind— Jesus, the, the the miracles, they weren't a point or an end unto themselves. Right, right. They were pointing to something bigger, mm-hmm. pointing to the kingdom of God, pointing to Jesus's ministry, pointing to the way God desires to interact with the world. And in this one, it, it, it's fascinating that Jesus heals a man who's blind from birth, mm-hmm. and yet all the response are questions about the legality of it. Yeah. Well, who sinned (laughs) Uh before the miracle? Mm -hmm. Who sinned? Not, can you help the guy? Mm -hmm. Not, geez, this guy's suffering. Uh, Who's wrong? Who can we point our finger at? Yeah. Which, you know, I don't, I don't think cultures change that much. Um, this 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 feels like a reality TV episode. Yeah, absolutely. Where people are only interested in finding fault. Then Jesus does heal him, and then the Pharisees are all up in arms about Jesus working on the Sabbath. Yeah, I just it, it, it's 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 incredible to me that they can stand in the face of these miracles and still think this way. Mm-hmm. And yet, how often do people today stand in the face of the miracles of God and act the same way? Oh, absolutely. We're, we we try to explain it away, and I think that's going to be a common theme. It was a common theme last week, and it's a common theme again this week because when we're dealing with miracles, it's stuff that we're not used to seeing. So mm-hmm. I think we as humans don't like to have something that we can't explain. Well, and and <laughs> but but I also I also see this 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 blaming again. So. Jesus opening the man's eyes for me is is a metaphor for opening someone's eyes spiritually, mm-hmm. bringing them from spiritual darkness to spiritual light, mm-hmm. salvation, deliverance, transformation. Well, even initially, them saying, whose fault is this? Mm-hmm. So when we see someone that we encounter who's struggling, someone who is wrestling with darkness, be it addiction, uh, be it homelessness, even to some degree, mental illness. Mm-hmm. People want to say, well, "What'd you do wrong?" Yeah, where's that's, the fault? That's the part that stands out to me is that even the disciples are the ones that says, "Who was wrong?" Yeah, and mm-hmm. and, and that, that that's just that seems to be something <laughs> inherent in our broken nature. Instead mm-hmm. of how can we help someone? Yeah. They've seen Jesus do miracles. This is not the first miracle he's done. Yeah, he's done several up to this point. So no one walks around and says, Jesus, 
look at this guy. He's hurting. Mm-hmm. Will you help him? Yeah. Instead, it's, well, who, what did he do wrong? Was it he or his parents? Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder, does it, does it take the spotlight off of our shortcomings to focus on the faults of others? Does it, does it make us feel better about ourselves mm-hmm. to look at someone who's worse off than us and say, well, look what they did. Yeah. So the whole time, instead of doing that, maybe we should be looking and asking Christ, can you help this person? Mm-hmm. Or not even can you, will, will you? Will you? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he can't. Jesus said to someone else, what do you mean if I can? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then when someone is transformed, when someone does undergo restoration and spiritual sight is given to them, we still mm-hmm. want to question them. We mm-hmm. still want to hold them back in that. We don't want to let them be the new person that they are. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things people have a hard time with with the church who are outside the church. They feel like people won't let them be the new person. Mm, They'll yeah. always hold over them who they were. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, the, the the Pharisees, well, their big thing is, well, uh, Jesus, you you broke our religious rules. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wonder, and I don't know, I'm just in this kind of mood today. I, I wonder how many rules all of us, all of our churches have, how many rules uh-huh. that actually Jesus breaks. Yeah. I guarantee you Jesus would walk into the sanctuary of Trinity with a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is, is that not supposed to happen? <laughs> As we all three say. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, but something that <clears throat> separates this passage to me, well, one thing, that separates this passage from the other ones that we read this week is there's there's nothing before this. Like the blind man is just sitting there. Mm-hmm. It's not like he comes to Jesus and says, heal me, I know you can. Right. You know, Jesus just does it. But he does it as a response to them mm-hmm. saying something. If you notice... <clears throat> Anyone who comes to Jesus and asks to be healed always is. Yeah. He doesn't stop and heal everyone Mm -hmm. just automatically. Right. But anyone who asks, Mm -hmm. he absolutely heals. Yeah. Which we'll see in the next miracle we'll talk about. Yeah. And so I I, I noticed that because in in the next one, when we get there, it's the faith of the friends. Yep. And the the woman bleeding and the little girl, it's the faith of the woman and Mm -hmm. the faith of the father Mm -hmm. that... Mm -hmm that prompts that. And, you know, obviously I think the one about Legion is <laughs> that one kind of stands on its own because it's like, all right, the real deal. Dude that's here. the most creepy, like make a scary movie out of uh-huh. it. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely could. Well, that's, yeah. the, that's the, so it's a good point. You know, the Bible is not boring. The Bible's yeah. not dry. The Bible mm-hmm. is, the Bible's out there. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's in, enthralling because you see the stories like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But another thing that I noticed in this, in, and sometimes I think in our modern worldview, when we look at stuff like this, we think, oh, those are just ignorant people. And we try to like, well, we're obviously intellectually superior because of all the advancements we made. So we're better. We know better than this. But the guy says, Hey, this has never happened before. We know what it's like when somebody's blind. They can't see. Right. And it doesn't just get better. Right, right. <laughs> so something happened here. And I, I think it can be a lesson for us that we don't need to get too big on ourselves because we can tend to sit on this, well, we're so enlightened yeah. because of all these things that we know. So we, re- we know what really happened. And that's one of the ways that we explain away the miraculous especially when we go back and read these things. Well, the man who had the demons and everything, ah, he was just a schizophrenic. That's all that. Well, but could it have been demons for real? Like, you know? So that that's my little sidebar. But yeah. <laughs> these people were, were used to seeing these things. They yeah. knew what it looked like. They yeah. were not as dumb as we think they were. Yeah, and I, 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 I still go back and wonder, you know, how many... How many people in our churches receive spiritual sight 
receive new life in Christ. Mm -hmm. And instead of just celebrating that, we look for every other thing to pull it apart. Yeah. Well, and, and this whole passage here is about just that very thing. All the Pharisees are trying to decide and to figure out how this happened because it couldn't possibly be. They're trying to explain it away, well, just like we try to. And do. trying to decide if it's <clears throat> if it's valid or not. Yeah. Who who are you to tell God what, mm-hmm. what he can and can't do? What isn't isn't right or just uh-huh. or the right method? I mean, golly, people, we are just so arrogant. Yeah. So what do you think, Karen? Well, I know you've got a paper full of notes here. Yes, I was going to say, like looking at it from children's ministry standpoint, children will ask when you tell this story, well, why did he use the dirt to heal? Mm-hmm. He could have just done it. <clears throat> so what are your thoughts on that? Why did he do that? Well, I, for me, and this is coming from the unseminarized uh, <laughs> perspective, I made up a word again today. <laughs> um Doing it that way required the man to take action. Because right. I, I think sometimes, yes, Jesus will do things for us, and it's it just, <clears throat> we can't not receive it. But I think, you know, he had to believe enough to get up and go wash his eyes in the pool. That's good. That's good. That's, Way that's to kinda, explain it. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I think Jesus could have just, you're healed. I mean, didn't he do that with blind Bartimaeus? Uh, he, he he did that a few times. Yeah. Just yes. he, he he can just say and do. Um, of all the miracles Jesus does, he does them in a specific way each time to make a specific point. Mm-hmm. Again, a point about God, a point about us, a point about that relationship. So I also see here Jesus using um, dirt, using the mundane, using the the everyday to perform this healing. So when you look at our sacraments, baptism, God uses water, which is about as common as it gets. I mean, even in areas of the world where water scarcity is a thing, everybody understands water. Yeah. Our bodies are what percentage? 70%, 70% water. water, something like that. <laughs> Correct us in the comments if you feel like yes. it. <laughs> and and you know, and in communion we have bread, which is a staple of mm-hmm. nourishment in every culture in the world. Mm-hmm. And then wine or juice, liquid. I mean, it, it's God does the God takes the ordinary, which you also have to think what what in Genesis the creation account what was humankind fashioned from the dust of the ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. So again, I saw that parallel okay, too. I've God wants to, to use us. Down to use for children. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but that, that's, that, that, that's a great question, a great catch. And it's, it's good to have your perspective, Karen, because, um, so again, like Kyle mentioned, you know, I've been to seminary and my undergrad degree mm-hmm. is in church ministries. And I, and, and I like to make this joke. I literally on my wall in my office, my degree says BS in church ministries. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm going to read these from one perspective. Kyle's going to read them from another perspective. Mm-hmm. Karen's going to read them from a different perspective. And I, the people watching, you're going to have different perspectives. And for mm-hmm. me, that's one of the beauty, uh, most beautiful things about Scripture is no matter what perspective you come from, mm-hmm. you can find yourself in the story and you can find God speaking to you in a unique and powerful way yeah. if you're open to it and if you're willing to look for it. Mm-hmm. So. That's, yeah, that, uh, that's a great thought. So, so we move on to the the next passage that we have. This Luke passage of the the paralytic that was you know lowered down, <clears throat> and this one we we see um, we see it's the faith of the guy's friends. We we hear very little from the guy who was actually healed in this passage, and it's a pretty short one. It's it's just. What is it? I'm not going to math. It's nine verses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to correct. math really fast right there. <laughs> um, but I find it interesting that as soon as this guy comes on the scene, now all of a sudden the Pharisees again are like, what's he going to do here? And gee, right. they're like m- murmuring and obviously. Well, his first thing isn't to heal. His first thing is to pronounce his sins are forgiven. Yeah, uh-huh. and that's and that that's really what gets him riled up because in the Jewish mm-hmm. mindset, that's reserved 
only yeah. for God. And by the way, um, if you, if you're looking for cases for Jesus asserting and affirming his divinity, mm-hmm. this is one of those. Yeah, and he uh, doesn't do it very often. He, he he doesn't because he wants to give us the example of how we're supposed to submit to God. Mm-hmm. And yet, in cases like this, when he says your son your, your sins are forgiven, as a good Jewish, a faithful mm-hmm. religious Jewish teacher, he would have known that that's God's place. Yeah. So when he says that, he is saying, "I'm divine. Mm-hmm. I'm God." Yeah. So d- don't don't miss that in mm-hmm. there. Yeah, and and another really interesting aspect of this to me is, and I think we can. Um, Maybe come at this from like a, a if you're in a small group or something, let let prayer be mm-hmm. that thing. So, say I'm really struggling with something, but then I've got friends around me who are all praying for me, mm-hmm. who believe and have that faith. Then, even if I'm not in a place where I'm ready to receive that yet, paralytic man. The, the faith of those people that surround mm-hmm. me can have a huge impact on mm-hmm. what God can do in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes to show the importance of surrounding ourselves with mm-hmm. good people who are willing to stand in the gap for us. If, you know, if you're, if you're, good. if you're discouraged, if you've got a family member who is refusing to come to Christ mm-hmm. Do everything you can to get them to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You got a family member who's struggling with addiction, who is in in, in turmoil, who, whatever the case is. You know, if, if you've got a loved one, someone you care about, do everything you can, like these guys did. I mean, they hoisted him up. Yeah. Imagine how difficult that was. Mm-hmm. They cut a hole in the roof and they lowered him down. Do everything you can to get that person in your life to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, I, I, I don't want to be misunderstood here. Um, there are steps that we can and should take in people's lives to Absolutely. help them. However, at the end of it, the goal is really to get them mm-hmm. to Jesus because he can do things for them that we cannot. Yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, as a parent, that's sometimes that's hard to remember. Mm-hmm. Jesus loves my children more than I do. Yeah. That's, and that's and and that's hard to wrap my head around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. That's true. You got something? I was just yeah. going to say this is you were talking earlier about you know which was our favorite. This was the one I remember the most because mm-hmm. as a child we used to reenact it. You know, and I loved being able to. We took mm-hmm. turns with who got to lower the man, and you know, which was <laughs> a child always. But, sure. Uh, so this one is one of the most memorable ones for me. Yeah. But. Um, I've never thought of it as the like the surrounding and mm-hmm. um, the friends joining in. So that that's a good way to explain it to children too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think sometimes we run the risk of almost trying to overanalyze some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe what we need to do is take a look at these and figure out how to explain it to a child. And maybe that's how we need to explain it to ourselves. <clears throat> and yeah. and I'd, I hope that, you know, if, you, if you're watching, I, I, I would love for you to catch this, that when we're sitting here doing this, generally, even, even if we have notes, this is not a bunch of pre-prepared stuff as much as it is us talking about the ways mm-hmm. it affects us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's not us sitting up in an ivory tower saying, well, here's what you need to get out of it. <laughs> you you just have a window into us figuring out how the scriptures affect mm-hmm. us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this this really is conversation and discussion. I my goal here is never like to teach or or hand down amazing knowledge. It's really <laughs> because I can't hand down amazing knowledge. I'm not that smart, but I can think about it and I can talk about what I think. <laughs> right. That's all any of us are doing. Yeah. And I'm enjoying getting y'all's perspective to be able to add that to, mm-hmm. to my stories when I relay them. Yeah. And that's that's a super important aspect of it all because, you know, I, I've learned a lot sitting in uh, this chair here from people that are a lot smarter than me. 
<laughs> than I am. Sorry, that was bad grammar. <laughs> I, I, no I'm grammar smarter than here. I are. Yeah, exactly. So, so we go on to, uh, because the, the paralytic man, it's a short passage. And I yeah. feel like that one we yep. kind of cover pretty quickly. I, so we get to Mark 5. And we've got, you know, two days reading in Mark 5. We end up reading the whole chapter here. Yeah. Uh, but it breaks it up into two days, which is good. I like that. Because you kind of have to chew on these stories individually, I think. I, I'm curious to know, what's the takeaway from Mark 5, 1 through 20? The the garrison demoniac. That's really hard to say. Yeah. Okay. Pause the video right now. Pause the podcast right now and five times fast say garrison demoniac. I want to know if you can do it or not because <laughs> that that took some took some effort, uh, some uh, verbal gymnastics for me. Annunciation. <laughs> I'm afraid what might come out. You need uh-huh. New York. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is. This is one of those that very clearly is dealing with the supernatural to me. Yeah, I the the those those give me I don't want to say problems, mm-hmm. but but those are the, those are difficult ones for me. Mm-hmm. And generally, where I go with any encounter that Christ has with the demonic mm-hmm. is. Actually, I don't focus on the demonic. Mm-hmm. I don't try to figure out all this stuff and their names and all mm-hmm. these other things. What I focus on is that the deepest darkness there is, the from the deepest pits of hell, the most horrible thing you could think of, the most intense bondage you could imagine, Jesus has overcome. Mm-hmm. Jesus can, will, has, always overcome that. And we can find comfort in that. Mm-hmm. So any of these encounters, I say, doesn't matter how dark the darkness is, like John said, cannot overcome the light. Christ wins. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's really the common theme in all yeah. of these. Yeah. And it's specifically in this one, you know, where we see <laughs> Jesus really does win. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find it so funny that the the people of the town are like, "Hey, get out of here, go away, uh, quit quit messing with our again our things." They're they're more worried about things than people. Maybe they're worried about their two thousand pigs. They, they were. <laughs> I, I, I tell you, I tell you what strikes me in this one. What's always stood out to me, and it's if you don't read it closely, you'll miss it at the end. Um. Going to verse 18, Jesus mm-hmm. was getting into the boat. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. So you would think, yeah, anybody who wants to go and follow Jesus, of course he'd take him with him. Mm-hmm. Jesus' response, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So mm-hmm. the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. Everyone was amazed at what he told them. See, for me, what I see here is that the call to discipleship of Christ looks different for different people. For mm-hmm. some people, it was sell your business. Mm-hmm. Other people, it's change professions. Yeah. Other people, it's no, go back home because mm-hmm. that's where I need you. Well, but clearly he had run away from home right. because of his affliction. Right. And there's And there's a deep element there of of Christ wanting those family relationships restored as well. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of layers there, but it, it just it just strikes me all the time because people people tend people tend to make the mistake of saying, well, if I'm going to follow Jesus fully, it has to look like this. Um, I've been in too many churches who have elevated becoming clergy to the highest form of serving God. Mm-hmm. And that's faulty. Well, and there's there's places that non-clergy can go that... Clergy can't. You can't go. So yeah. following Christ means being faithful where he has you, where he wants you. Mm-hmm. And 
all Christians are called to ministry. All Christians are called to discipleship. All Christians are called to participate fully in the kingdom. But that looks different for different people. And no one call is of a greater or lesser value mm-hmm. than the other. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. Christ wanted him to return, like you said, to his family so they could see the change that he had mm-hmm. made. Yeah. And, and and I think that's a big element there when, again, when Jesus does something for us, it's it's not in a bubble. It's not in a vacuum. It's intended to have a, a reconciliatory mm-hmm. effect on everyone yeah. around us. Well, and, and what's more powerful witness to people who don't know, but to see real genuine life transformation? Mm-hmm. I mean, to see somebody who was a drug addict, struggled with any kind of addiction, really, mm-hmm. uh, lay that kind of lifestyle down mm-hmm. and decide to come and follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody nobody does or, or leads a life like that in isolation. And right. so the, the ripple effects are huge right, right. When, when somebody's living in a lifestyle like that. And obviously this guy and what was going on in his life, right. the, the possession and everything, right. I mean- it, it it impacted the whole community. Yeah, that's the that's the and and that's one of the <clears throat> most one of the most insidious and horrific things about addiction mm-hmm. is it 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 binds someone up in chains mm-hmm. and and no they do not have the power on their own yeah. to break those chains. No one does. Yeah, and yet what is happening to them is also happening through them. It's yeah. also affecting mm-hmm. everyone else. And it's just, it's just horrible. Um, so is, is this the one where the guy he found? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he lived in the graveyard out in the graveyard uh-huh. because he just, he, he lived in death. And yeah. honestly, I, I, I compare this one to addiction a lot mm-hmm. because someone who is so caught in addiction and is struggling with that, you know, to, to, as a parent, to see another parent choose their addiction over their children, mm-hmm. to see the damage and the destruction. And a person who was once handsome or beautiful has just been marred and, and, and just completely transformed into something mm-hmm. else. To me, this is one of the closest descriptors of what that is like. Yeah. And then, then you have the testimony of real life transformation. Right. I mean, when, when Jesus gets a hold of somebody and does something amazing, that, I'm sorry, but that speaks more than a thousand sermons. That's, man. yes, a, 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 a walking, talking, living, breathing example. Uh-huh. And that, you know, when we talk about the good news, when we talk about sharing the gospel, mm-hmm. it's not about telling people, well, Jesus made a way for you not to go to hell. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, there's there's some truth to that, mm-hmm. but to me, this encounter is the heart of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Jesus came to set people free, mm-hmm. to give them new life, to transform, mm-hmm. and to do what we could not do for ourselves. Yeah, when that is proclaimed, there's because yeah. you see you see the response at the end. What he what he said there, mm-hmm. he said, Mark writes. Everyone was amazed yeah. at what he told them. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. So it wasn't just the, like you said earlier, not just the healing or the miracle, but it was the pointing to the higher thing of of seeing Jesus and all of that. Mm-hmm. I, I, in my opinion, every one of the miracles, because if you look generally, generally Jesus doesn't perform the same one twice. In other words, he, there's a couple different blind people he heals, right. but it's, they're not all blind. There's a couple different people struggling with demonic stuff, but that's not all of them. Lazarus, which we're talking about, gets raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. People who are sick, the woman with the issue of blood, um, the leper. Each one, to me, brings out a different aspect of the healing ministry of God. And when I say healing, I don't just mean physical. I mean yeah. emotional, spiritual. relational, mm-hmm. spiritual so each one tells a bigger story than just the event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and we move on in the chapter past this to 
you get kind of a twofer in this one mm-hmm. because these two stories are so intertwined. And, and you know, in, in narrative writing, I can see that, you know, the the miracles that were chosen to be recorded were, were probably chosen intentionally. Yes, and, yes. And I'm not naive enough to think that what we have in Scripture are the only things that Jesus did. Oh, well, absolutely. Isn't, it, isn't that the way John ends his gospel? Yeah. He says, look, this, this isn't even touching it, because if you recorded it all, we wouldn't be able to tell the story. Yeah. Um, so, But I do think these two almost have to be tied together because that they do go together. If you've got Jesus, you know, going through the town and, you know, he's obviously got some notoriety at this point because oh, yeah. everybody's pushing in on yeah, him. Yeah. Imagine, imagine, you know, yeah. th- those scenes when a celebrity gets out of their car mm-hmm. and fans and paparazzi like yeah. crowd and swell around them. Mm-hmm. That's what this would have been like. Yeah. What, 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 what really the flash tubes? What? Yeah. <laughs> What really strikes me, the first thing that jumps out for me at this is when this woman touches Jesus, he's on his way to do something else. Yeah. So she, you know, there's so much cultural background here that it's easy to miss it. Mm -hmm. She's a woman. So right away, she's secondary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's unclean. She is ritually She's unclean. Spiritually, ritually un. She would not have been allowed to participate in the communal worship services. Mm-hmm. How many years did 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 she have a lot. this? A lot. I read this this morning. Twelve years. There it is. Okay, so so years. so imagine this. For twelve years, she's been cut off from that community. Mm-hmm. Twelve years, she's not been allowed to participate with the community of faith. And mm-hmm. and for for people who don't go to church, you're like so, that's a big deal. Yeah, I especially mean, especially back then, but it's a big deal for us too. Absolutely, and and clearly she wanted because she was right. doing whatever she could. I mean, it says that she's she had gone. She's taking a risk. Yeah, to and, even oh, she, oh she's taking a huge risk to be on because she's not even supposed to touch anyone because mm-hmm. that by default makes them ceremonially unclean. So not mm-hmm. only could she not participate, her family or friends, they couldn't even touch her if they were going to go to temple. Yeah. Because they were then unclean. So yeah, she she pushes through the crowd. Um the implications I've read were that she would have had to have crawled. Mm-hmm. Now it's I mean, in it, it does say that she my NASB says if I just touch his garments, I will get well. And it says that she touched the hem. Yeah, that's she's probably on the ground. <clears throat> yes, but that but see that's also a thing. Um, I, I, I can't recall exactly, but the hem of the garment, touching the hem of the garment was something in the Jewish culture that they understood Mm -hmm. it. it, If it wasn't from the old Testament, it was from an extra canonical source Mm -hmm. where the hem of the garment was supposed to symbolize something. Yeah. Um, and and I hate to reference something and then not tell you exactly what it was, but homework time. Yeah. Go find it and leave it in the comments. Where is it? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) We're going to lay this on you listeners. So she, and interestingly, (laughs) she touched him Mm -hmm. and he doesn't even perform. He didn't, he doesn't turn and say, okay, she's healed immediately. And then he asks, who touched my robe? Now, I, now the disciples were like, look at the crowd. <laughs> like, like, what are you talking about? Lots uh-huh. of people are touching you. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, he, you know, he looks around. He sees her. She comes up. She falls to her knees. And, and she's terrified because she wasn't supposed to touch a man, much less a religious teacher, much less with her condition. So she broke all the rules. Mm-hmm. So, so again, we're looking at this concept of rules. Mm-hmm. Rules versus compassion. And Jesus looks at her and says, daughter, right there, he has, given by giving her the term of daughter, mm-hmm. he is accepting her in, I, I, I want to phrase this correctly, mm-hmm. in a not romantically intimate way. Yeah. Does, does, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Yes. Well, he's it's a familial. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, right, right. It's 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 
it, it, it is deeply loving and warm mm-hmm. and it's accepting and validating and affirming. Just calling her daughter mm-hmm. heals. See, so Jesus doesn't just heal her body. In that moment, he's mm-hmm. healing her emotions. Yeah, he brings her back into the fold. He he into he connection. Is, and, and he is making a statement to the whole crowd. She is now accepted because in that time, family connection, especially a woman who probably wasn't married because of her issue, didn't have kids because of her issue. She had no standing, no communal worth in her own heart and in their eyes. So mm-hmm. Jesus says, daughter. That's telling everyone you're a part of things now. Okay, so I was curious. Um, you've heard me talk at length before about uh, my NASB with Strong's in my Olive Tree app on my uh, iPad. If you look at the word, the Greek word that is used, sozo, mm-hmm. probably mispronounced it. <laughs> mm-hmm. The part of the definition here, the implication is it means to make whole. Mm-hmm. And so what you're saying is absolutely right. He's not just mm-hmm. healing physically, but this idea mm-hmm. of wholeness now, mm-hmm. that she is now restored to like who she really is in God's eyes. It's, it, it's a statement for her mm-hmm. and a statement for everyone else because mm-hmm. by calling her daughter, mm-hmm. he is implicitly telling everyone in the crowd, you are to accept her. Mm-hmm. You are to love her. You are to make her part of the family. Mm-hmm. What what deeper need do people have than to be seen, to be known, to be heard, and to be welcomed? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's about as base human mm-hmm. need as it gets. And Jesus does all that there. And then an interesting statement there. Your faith has made you well. I I think a lot of care needs to be taken though with that statement. Yeah, yes. That's it. Mm-hmm. Boy, I've I I've yeah. heard some bad sermons yeah. about this stuff, be, man. Be real careful in getting down on yourself when right. God about doesn't faith. do something. Right. When it doesn't do something that you that you want. Yeah. And I, I've I've heard it preached from pulpits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, if you're not healed, it's your fault because you don't have enough faith. And that preaching is abhorrent. Mm-hmm. It's vile. It 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 directly contradicts the heart of what just happened. Yeah. Yeah. And it puts God in a box that God doesn't need to be in. No, no. It, no. It, yeah. it's, it's it's saying that the only way God can be God is if I'm made well. Right. And right. that's I don't know. I'm not gonna get behind that one. Well, then you think of Paul. With yeah. his thorn in his side, yeah, he, he ever, asked, "Take it yes. away." And, and and a lot of people speculate that was his faith. that was his eyesight or some other mm-hmm. physical malady. And he asked, mm-hmm. "Yeah, if anybody had faith, it was Paul." Yeah, and, and God said, "No, yeah. you need to rely on me." Right. That's 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 a great point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, be careful with that one little bit there because but, it's it's not always. Sometimes God will heal us. Physically, but sometimes in us having to endure yet still trust opens up ways that God can use our experiences yeah. to help somebody else. And that's going to yeah. be maybe where the healing comes from. And maybe it's not physical healing. Sometimes he'll use us enduring that but, if we choose to endure it. But there is, there, is this, there is this degree in each of these miracles of faith, like you mm-hmm. said, the blind man had to get up and go wash. Yep. Had he not done that, mm-hmm. it wouldn't happen. All right. Um, the paralytic, even though it wasn't his faith, it was the faith of the friends, mm-hmm. which, well, it may have been his faith. We don't know that he didn't say, hey, will you take me? Yeah. Now, Maybe the friends were just tired of carrying him around. Right. <laughs> now, the the demoniac, hey. we, don't, we don't see faith there, mm-hmm. which is interesting. That's the one that we don't see anyone really asking for this to happen. Well, we don't see. We don't know that it wasn't. Yeah. But well, Jesus was confronted with something, and right. it shows us that when Jesus is confronted with something, that he's more than capable of dealing with it. But it it it, it does seem it does seem 
to some degree to be that faith in some way is the avenue by which we can experience God's presence and power in our, I mean, I mean, well, that's actually, that's, that's, that's what the Bible says later on. You're, you're saved by what? But by faith. faith. Mm -hmm. Now that is a gift from God itself, but there does seem to be a degree to which we have to open ourselves Mm -hmm. in order to experience. I mean, without the blind man washing, without this woman, had she not crawled through the crowd to touch him, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm willing to venture she would not have been healed. Yeah, so there is some element of action on our part to receive. Mm-hmm. But 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 like you said, we we can't go too far the other direction. So this is this is in that yeah. tension and that mm-hmm. both and I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which that brings up the question that people will ask: Do miracles happen for non-believers? Depends on how you define miracle. Right. Well, and, and I would say that it sometimes God is willing to do a miracle so that people believe. I mean, yeah. obviously, Lazarus, what, right. what we can, uh, the, the sermon on Sunday was about the little girl. Mm-hmm. Doug preached on that. So we can, Jairus had faith, you know, mm-hmm. and he was a temple leader, so, mm-hmm. or synagogue leader. So to me, that says something important. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, you not know. Not all the religious Jewish leaders rejected him. That's right. That's an important distinction. I really thought you were about to say something different. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, so we, we see Jesus, you know, heal the little girl. Who knows? It, was she really dead? Maybe, maybe not. Right. You know, that's, that's semantics. We move on to the next one with Lazarus. He was dead. Right. Well, he, was, he was in the grave. Yeah, but four days. He probably would have been stinky. Anyway, so here's that the, even says that. Uh-huh. Here's here's and here's a big takeaway from that. Even if we think it's too late, with Christ, it's not too late. Everything is possible. Yeah, it's it's even even if it seems like all hope is lost, mm-hmm. it's not. With mm-hmm. Christ, yeah. But Karen, I, I, I want to go back to that question: Do miracles happen for non-believers? To me, that's a, that's a really interesting question. Um, we, we believe in God's grace, and and as Methodists, we believe in God's prevenient grace, which means that some degree or another of God's grace rests upon all people. So, to Kyle's point, sometimes God will do something miraculous as a sign to people. And yet other times, God absolutely refuses to give signs because of the state of someone's heart. Mm-hmm. God said, I mean, there were times when they asked Jesus for a sign. He's like, well, I can't give you any sign because you're already seeing it. I'm, 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 not, a, I'm not a performing monkey. Mm-hmm. So I'm, 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 I'm not a trick pony. I'm not going to be here just to amuse you. So there, there's that weird, again, there's that weird tension there. Mm-hmm. But I would, I would say... I would say yes. Um, God does. God does probably offer miracles to people who don't yet believe. But it's very difficult for me to say how or what or when. You know, it's mm-hmm. just a boy. That's a that's a that's a good question. Well, I'm gonna turn it back on you. What do you think? <laughs> Well, that's why I was asking. I wanted to hear your opinion. But mm-hmm. I do think if he does, and, and when he does, that it's going to point to his glory. And mm-hmm. he, like you said, he knows there's some that he may not, he knows that, you know, it's not going to change them. So he knows how their heart's going to be even before right, he offers right. that miracle. So. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I, I, again, I just want to really reemphasize the physical aspect of these miracles is not the biggest deal. Mm-hmm. Cause like, again, with the woman with the issue of bleeding in our, in our culture and our sensibilities, we think of a woman who's been confined to a home health bed with her family all around her, holding her hand. She's been entirely isolated emotionally. She is broken. She's been rejected because of something that is not her fault. Mm-hmm. The healing 
the physical healing is this much of the story. All the rest, the restoration, the restoring her as a person, giving mm-hmm. her dignity and worth. We cannot look past, because that's the, to me, that's the demoniac also, mm-hmm. the dignity and the worth. Yeah. People who were sick in that day were considered. Yeah, they were the outcast. Mm-hmm. The, the, it, it's not in this one, but I have to mention Jesus healing the leper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Read that story again. Before he cures the leprosy, he touches the man. He's mm-hmm. saying with his action, you are worthy. Mm-hmm. You are worthy of love. You have value even in your condition. Jesus doesn't touch him after he heals him. He touches him before. Mm-hmm. Which would have been in that time you don't touch oh, the leper. Oh, my goodness. Yes. You, as a religious teacher, he's breaking every rule you could ever imagine there. <laughs> Yet what he's doing is he is restoring a person's worth. So to me, that salvation is not just about, okay, you, you're not going to go to hell for the bad things you've done. It's about finding your dignity and your mm-hmm. true worth and your true identity and Christ offering mm-hmm. that to us. Yeah, when you, you said that hot topic word identity just now, and it's, if we ever try to replace the the fact that we are a child of God created in the image mm-hmm. of God with some other kind of identity, then not only are we shortchanging ourselves, mm-hmm. I almost feel like we're kind of spitting in the face of God saying, well, you nah, can- I'm this, I'm not that. And you can find that anywhere. You know, yeah. if, if you're finding your your whole identity in your mm-hmm. work, if you're finding your whole identity in in a sport, mm-hmm. if you're finding your whole identity in your mental abilities, mm-hmm. whatever it is, your identity is found first and foremost mm-hmm. in Christ. And that identity is not contingent upon performance, it's not contingent upon other people's acceptance. Mm-hmm. And when you're stabilized with that, everything else can begin to fall in its proper yeah. place. And and everything, when you say fall into the proper place, everything else begins to uh, have the right motive. Yes, yeah. Because if you're trying to be the best quarterback, if you're trying to be the best whatever. Which whatever you so do, that, you should yeah, strive. Absolutely, but if you're doing those things so that you can be accepted, you're, you're putting the cart before the horse. Well, because even even if you achieve that, mm-hmm. what happens when the lights are turned out? Yeah. So you're the quarterback and you find your identity in winning the games. What happens when you don't win the game? Or what happens when you get tackled wrong and, and tear up your meniscus and can't play anymore? Yeah. I've seen too many people lose their identity with that mm-hmm. and spiral because they don't know who they are anymore. Yeah. But if you well, know who you are in Christ. Yep. And and I, I made a sports reference and to all the non-sports people, I'm sorry. Uh, but really that applies to anything we can do. I mean- it, Well, you can think of that as marriage or as a parent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, absolutely. Well, you know, what, what happens when you- when you fail as a parent, because if you're being honest with yourself as a parent, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's hard. It's a hard job. Yeah. Done it. Probably going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so Lazarus is the, the, this whole story of Jesus raising Lazarus. Lazarus is full of really fun little nuggets, and. I guess where where I am right now is we kind of are running short on time here. Mm. So I want to know from you out there, let us know something that strikes you, not just about Lazarus, any of these uh, miracles, where, where do you find yourself? Where is Jesus speaking to you in these miracles? Um, and, and specifically because we're not really going to talk much about it, about Lazarus. You know, what, what strikes you the most? Is it Jesus's character and, you know, him staying behind or is it him standing at Lazarus's grave and weeping? You know, it's the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Or is it, is it their response to him? Mm-hmm. If you'd have been here. <laughs> yeah. But, um, 
Blaming, blaming yeah. God. So, so let us know, give us a comment or uh, send us an email or something, askgoingdeeper at gmail.com to, to send us those comments, that feedback on what this is to you. Uh, but with that, we really have been going quite a ways and we could probably <laughs> keep talking about this for another oh, yeah. hour. Oh yeah. Uh, because these are so interesting and fun and there are so many layers Mm-hmm. to these miracles that Jesus performed. Uh, so I'm going to ask for any final comments from you and you. Like yeah. you said, I think this this one about Lazarus could be a whole podcast in itself. Yeah, it really could be. Yeah. Uh, but Theron, uh, Karen, <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> but Karen, thanks for joining us today. Uh, you, you bring... Uh, an interesting, you know, perspective with the, some of your questions, and uh, hopefully, you've enjoyed your time mm-hmm. with us this morning. I came with my childlike mind, and so <laughs> you could pre- uh, we you should could all explain it to me uh-huh. in that way because uh-huh. that's how I try to explain it to others. Well, so, sure, and <laughs> well, that fits for you. If if you're not familiar with Karen, she is our children's director, and she does a fabulous job with my kids, your kids, if you have them kind of shepherding them towards Jesus every Mm -hmm. week, week in and week out. So Karen, thank you for sitting here today, but also thank you for what you do for us at the church. Yes. And and my, my, my final thought would be um, if Jesus did that for them Mm -hmm. in these encounters, Mm -hmm. he can do it for you. Mm. Yeah. So with that, Hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell if you haven't already, if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening on a podcast platform, give it a thumbs up if it lets you, give us a review if it lets you, and we love five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Because believe it or not, that is the best way. All of those things, however you interact, whenever you interact positively with this, that's the best way for other people to see this content. You can also share it if you want to, if you've got somebody in mind that you think needs to hear it. So with that, I guess I'm going to say thanks for listening, and we will see y'all next time.